Welcome to season three of the Cut Red Handed podcast. My name is Dumebi. For each episode, we discuss a book written by an African author and how we relate to it. Join us for this exciting episode as we shine the light on another African writer. This episode was recorded over Zoom. Hi guys, welcome to the Cut Red Handed podcast. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jassi. And uh, now we're going straight into the week recap. So my name is Dumi B. And like I was telling Comfort some minutes ago, I've, I just felt unusually tired today. But I'm so glad to be here. And um, I've been keeping a morning routine, which has really helped me, you know, start my day. Because if not, I'll just like stay in bed. And God knows when I'll wake up on this beautiful Saturday. And I've also joined Clubhouse. Um, I have five invites. If anybody has an iPhone and needs an invite, I have some invites. Um, I'm also taking care of myself and, you know, prioritizing my health as well. In Illinois, we had a winter storm like some days ago, but um, everything is okay. I'm grateful to have a warm home. I went out into the snow like some days after because like the snow was really high, like up to my boots. I don't know how to even explain how high it was, but it was really high. Let's see, I don't know. And I was just playing around the snow and it's it's very fun. I just felt like a child and <laughs> it was nice. I almost wanted to slide on the snow and just just throw myself inside and I would just form those angels that are deep. But then I didn't do it. That would be dangerous. My health is <laughs> <well>. <laughs> And good. <laughs> How about you, Comfort? How's your week? Your month or week or whatever? My month. Uh, well, uh, I, I got started on a new project at work. So there's that. And it's kind of exhausting. But it's all good. So, um, yeah. It's basically it. And, oh, yeah. Let's never forget. We started having a lot of cases of the new COVID variant in St. John's. Wow. Yeah. So they had to shut down a lot of stuff. Um, kept doing like um, press conferences every day to get to announce the new updates for, to get what we like, new updates to measures, like health measures that we're taking, right? And by the end of the week, we're on alert level five. You get wow. Things were like really, really serious, right? So every place was shut down, and then we had a kind of like a it was it was kind of like a, a storm. But considering what we had last year, it wasn't as bad. Yeah, but then we kind of like had a winter storm sometime. Um, and yeah, all in all, like apart from that, this month has been okay, I guess. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, I started watching CSN in Miami. I don't remember when I started. I don't know if I started last month. But anyway, I started watching CSN in Miami. I'm already in, like, season five. When did you start? Episode, so. I don't remember when I started, though. I just, like, I feel like I, I probably started watching CSN in Miami by the time we had our last episode. Right? Wow. But I don't know. No, I skipped some episodes. You can't say, oh... Yeah. If you need any tips on how to watch seasonal shows, please come and make comfort because we'll train <laughs> you on what needs to be done. 
No, I just, I just, I like long shows, right? Because you get, you spend some time knowing the characters and, you know, I like long shows. Yeah, I feel that. So I want to throw in a K-drama recommendation. If anybody has not watched Mr. Clean, please go and watch it right now. Stop what you're doing. Go and watch that <laughs> show. It's such a great show. It's free. It's so hilarious. Like, I can't believe it's over. So if you want to binge it, feel free to binge it. Samuel, are you able to speak? Oh, Ivy's here. Yeah. Hi, Ivy. Are you coughing? Hi, Ivy. I've missed you so much. Yeah, I have. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Hi. Um, hello, my call is muted because I'm actually working as well, so I'm multitasking. So, is it your meat pie? Yes, your it is. Have fun with it. Yeah, sure, cool. If anyone is in the Caribbean area, hit IB up, get your meat pies. I'm sure they're amazing. They look nice. And it's a picture. <laughs> Samuel, are you able to speak? Yeah, I am. How are you? How has your week been? Oh, my week has been awesome. My month has been awesome, though. Um, I, I changed apartments, so that's kind of big, I think. Um, yeah, what have we been doing this week? Oh, yeah, I celebrated Valentine for the first time in, like, forever. Hallelujah. Wait, with a girl. Or with yourself? No, with a guy. With a dude. What? I don't sound homophobic, but like the, the point is, uh, I, I will be saying with a girl. I'll be with a, like, what kind of? Yeah, with you, maybe. Whose phone? Sure. Um, anyways. Um, Whose phone is that? Which phone? There's a phone vibrating. Yeah. Let me check if it's mine. Sounds like yours. Because your name is on. Oh. Your name is also on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you mean by celebrated Valentine's? Give us the details. All right. So um, I got a gift from a certain someone. Mm-hmm. And it's so thoughtful. Like, I hated the fact that I loved it so much. And it was coming on a day that I actually tried my best not to celebrate. Because I just don't understand the day anyways. People say whatever I don't to say, but I just deceive myself. So anyways, um, the gift just was there. It was so significant. And I decided to, you know, have the bow. Ah, celebrated and blah, 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 blah. So did you send the person a gift back? Now, this is the fun part. The person refused to send me an address. Oh, interesting. I sent a gift back. I was, I, was, I was even coming up with stupid. Do you know the person's email? Yeah. yeah I can send. I mean, you can send the person an Amazon gift card, and you just have to send us the email if that's what you want to do. Like, you don't, you know what I mean? But I'm sure the person just really wants to give you a gift and not receive anything in return. So. If I want to give something, how would I put it? It's like someone does something so nice to you. You're just trying to trump it or just do something similar. Amazon gift card is like, ah. See, what she gave me was really special. And she knows. So I need to 
like think find something special to her or something and then send it to her. I don't know. Yeah, the person you know the person best, so you know what the person would like. Maybe the person is definitely a gift person. Maybe the person has other ways. The person likes to receive love, so you could also think on that. Hmm. Back to this language of love, Tenavi. Hey, can be quality time. Maybe you guys can go out together and have fun together. And you just pay for the whole thing or something. It can be. That will be later, later. Yeah, but still, yeah, something to keep in mind. Thank you, Dumebe. Hola. So now we're going straight into the book, guys. Um, we hope everyone. So we're going to discuss. Um, I was thinking we should discuss the book according to her relationships, like her with her mom, her with her dad, her with her. And so when I just see like the person we're discussing, everybody can focus on the story because I feel like the story, everybody's story was together in different places, and I kind of want to isolate each of these circumstances if that's okay with everyone the book for me was very personal for some reason as i was reading the yeah. book <laughs> i was feeling very sad and i was reflecting on my life a lot and i had to think you know it made me like the questions they asked i thought about the questions a lot i thought about my relationships it was a very i would deep say it was book. sad i would say it was more contemplative it was it yeah because I, you know, I did a, <laughs> I did a, <laughs> I wrote introspective, yeah. um, contemplate anyone if you want to learn English, you know, feel free. I was just saying, I did a lot of thinking, like you said. Mm. Um, I, I asked a lot of questions, um, mm. I related a lot with some certain aspects yeah me too and, and yeah anyway, I, I just found the story uh very interesting and like okay i was when i first read uh, when i read my first yagashi book like the home going that was like our first book mm. i think yeah, and okay, it was they are not on the same genre right so i i'm not sure you can compare them but I feel like there was a lot of growth. Like this story was much was much more personal than mm-hmm. Homegoing. Homegoing was saying about people's stories, right? And even though that one was kind of personal, it was talking about generations. But this one was was very um, grabbing. Mm. Yeah, and you know, I would say it was sad, contemplative, or introspective, whichever one. You want. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Whichever one you want to use, mount I chose introspective as my description. Comfort is contemplative. That's fine. So someone is sad. So you know, pick your <laughs> the one that relates to you. <laughs> so yeah, you're talking about relationships. You're going to divide it in. Oh yes, definitely. So um, the first one is Gifty and her mom. Her relationship with her mother. And that, that was that was like very deep for me um, because I feel like I related to her mother in the story, which is kind of weird. And we're like, what when we have me relate to the mother in the story? I really resonated with the mom. She was like this person who was always dreaming big. She wanted like 
or was something amazing for her family. What she thought was like milk and honey on the other side. And she cast her lot, you know, and was able to get this green card and move with her family. And, you know, her husband came later and all. And she, I don't know, I feel like it's easy to romanticize a place when you are not there. When you've heard stories and where you are, you feel like is not like here would not have any progress for you, but then you feel like you have to move to a new place to change your mind. Um, and moving to a new country and starting over was just like really big. A lot of changes happened because of that. Um, it was just it was just a very deep one. And then she moved the whole circle of life where you have this person caring for you, having all these dreams. And then you now move towards the point where you are now like grown and then you now have to take care of this person. You know, there was even a time like they went, they went to the beach and um, she was looking for her where her mom had, you know, lost, became very depressed and suicidal and could lose herself easily. Um, she brought her back after she found her with Catherine and then she opened her mouth. She's like, did you eat anything at the beach? And then she's checking and her mom is shaking her head no. And it's just... It was just like as if she was a child, you know, when they opened the child's mouth, they didn't do it anything, stop, stop. And I was just like, wow, this the imagination, it was so vivid to me. Like, I was like, wow, that's so deep. Like, our parents are getting old and we're getting to the point where we are going to have to take care of them. And it's just very interesting, this circle of life. Anybody wants to say something? I still have more, but I don't want to like um, take off. I'm actually intrigued as to why you um you said you said why? To yourself why I resonated with the mom. Yeah, that, that's oh. that's what where I'm what I'm trying to wrap my mind around. Oh like I I the mom had this guy who she really liked and she moved with him, but the guy agreed to move with her. But then there are people that I really respect who don't move with the person they love, like they decide that that place you're moving to is not for me. I'm so self-aware that I know that this place where I am is good enough for me and I don't want to move. I really respect people who can like come to that terms with that decision and not like feel like one place is better than the other, but know that every place has its own challenges and they decide to choose their heart. So mm. I it does not explain why you in particular saw yourself. What <laughs> <laughs> of that is I had somebody I liked over the ocean. That's all. That's my summary of the story. Oh, that's your resonation. That's the point that you saw me connect. The point that the person did not, did not want to move now. And <laughs> I, I really respect the person for deciding to stay. You know, because this could have been a story, like, not that this could have been the story that happened, but we saw, we'll talk about what happened to the guy when he came over, but we saw what happened to him when he came over, and I was just thinking, I'm like, you know, their relationship was not as amazing as it was where they were, and different things that made me think of what would have happened if we decided to actually, like, go together or go to the other side, and maybe deciding to stay apart is actually best for both of us. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Psychology. I, I love, I love, 
the woman. <laughs> I love her mother. Do you get? I do. Like, I love Hetera. Do you get? Because, um, okay, I it was very deep for me in the sense that I liked how um how she decided stuff and did it. Mm-hmm. Like she was very decisive about stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Wanted to, she felt like okay, here won't give her what she needed, mm-hmm. so she obviously did what she needed to do to go to where she wanted to go to go to Alabama. And mm-hmm. as soon as she moved to Alabama, she bought a plane ticket and moved to Alabama. And even though it wasn't easy for her, she mm-hmm. didn't immediately start thinking of okay, maybe I should go back to Ghana. Mm. She found a job, planted her head down, was patient. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so I like how decisive she was about it and how patient she was and how ready she was to build Digger. Mm-hmm. And so I like that about her. So you know, and she was kind of cruel, Digger, to her daughter. She was. <laughs> but she always told her she didn't want her, she wanted yeah. to be that first one. Exactly. So I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, cause I think her relationship with her mom mm. was typical, like for most African parents' relationship. Like most people's relationship with their own African parents. Do you get? Except some people have it better. Like some people, um, I don't know. They have some. I just say. I just feel like that's like the standard picture. Like, apart from the fact that they were apart and this thing, like, when they were together, I felt like that was, like, standard picture of an African home, because it talked about, you know, these kind of people that would hug all the time and say, I love you. It just wasn't them. And, you get most of us can resonate with that, except that, okay, maybe there's just, like, a little bit different, you get, based on your family, you get, but there were a lot of similarities, because that's, like, what... A typical African home is like, right? Like, like your parents, call, um, as in, you just, I don't know, we're not mushy people. That's just what I'm saying. I mean, this new generation, we are, you know, we are learning to say, I love you. We are learning to do that stuff, but that's just, that's just us. You've not learned how to say, I love you, I beg. No, not learned how to say, I love you. No. <laughs> No, some people have learned how to, as in, I mean, this new generation, right? Um, some of us feel one. like, huh? Yeah, if it's the new ones, yeah, because I don't think I know how to say I love you yet, man. Your dad. No, no, that, that's different. I mean, like, to our children, not to our parents. That's what I mean, the new generation, like, relationship between parents and children. Like, in a typical, in, in a typical African home, like, that's what it looks like. Do you get And um, sometimes people feel like, like, the mom was too cruel to her, like telling her that she didn't want her. But I don't know if it's biology or if it's blood or if it's spiritual. But even though, like, irrespective of all that, right, there's just this need that we feel to want to please them. Mm. You know, irrespective of the cruel things they say or that kind of stuff. And that's what I, that's like how I, that's why I say I have like a love hate um, feeling about the mom. And then there's also the fact that it kind of made me realize that 
you know, I stopped seeing my parents as people, you know, people that had hopes, people that had dreams, people that have history and story. Do you get people that fell in love or didn't fall in love? Do you get? Mm. But all I saw them as my mom and dad. Do you get? So it was very um, deep for me because, like, it made me realize that there are people apart from being my parents. Mm. Do you get? So, yeah, there was that. That's a deep realization. And uh, I, I see I, where you say about her being cruel, but I also see glimpses of her love. The time where she asked her mom if she was pretty, do you remember what she did? Her mom looked at the mirror and said, look at what God made, look at what I made. And then she kissed the mirror. And then later on, she also kissed the mirror. And I feel like that was just a very special moment between two of them that kind of said... As long as you came out for me, you are amazing. And that was like just a glimpse of, at least just a, a little was there. And I feel like that was very, it was a special moment for her, I believe. And, and just in case my parents are listening, I know you told me I love you. And I'm grateful that in a world of typical people, you decided to be. Do you have pretension ourselves? <laughs> you said just in case my parents are listening. <laughs> No, but it's true. My parents tell me they love me all the time. So I, really I know. Like I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that they don't tell you. But the way you said it, just in case my parents are listening. Like, yes, no, you're not listening. You're not saying that. Other people are not that So let me just put it out there. Thank you, mom and dad. I love you too. Whether your parents say I love you to you or not is the action that matters. If they don't say it, it doesn't mean they don't actually love you. It just means that it's harder for them to say it. Love is a verb and it's not a noun. So it's okay if love looks different for you in your family. Okay, I get, okay. something else. I just remembered something else that I realized when I was reading the book, right? And how yeah. she was talking about um, how her mom fell into depression and how her mom would look at her and um, say like that she's the one I wanted mm. it. and mm. um, when we're looking at it from a point of view of her as her mom not her okay like, when she told the child mm-hmm. that okay interesting I'm not saying I'm not saying it wasn't cruel to say such a thing but what we were all like we're looking at it from a point of view of her as it wasn't mom, cool. yes, and yes. not her as a person, like the mom as a person, do you get? She, she um she was a regular woman, she had to leave her family behind, leave everything that she, mm. she recognized and move into this place where like she has to take care of people that sometimes didn't respect her mm. or didn't do you get were disrespectful to her just because of her color and she had to deal with all the racism digger that she was facing because there's no way her daughter won't feel it and she as a digger as a grown woman won't feel it worse yeah. right yeah. but she had to deal with all that and she had children right yeah. and suddenly she lost she lost a the child so dear to her heart. exactly it, as in she lost somebody she has she loved yeah. 
and she had to deal with her husband leaving them, like leaving them, <laughs> but she couldn't take it, right? And you know, and all on that, she still had to be unselfish and tell her children to respect the dad because you know she couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't be as strong as she was, or he couldn't stay <laughs> when he stayed. Do you get? And yeah. so, if you think of all that, like what she must have been going through. Mm. you sort of feel like you have no right to judge it's like if, you mean like in fits of anger she just like just brought exactly. that out since that so, was her truth mm. but as in I mean like that's what I'm saying it kind of unhinged me like thinking of having to think of my mother mm. as a person apart from my mother Mm. to try and understand where she's coming from yes mm. all right so can i add something on that yes yeah, speak uh, so under under what you just that paragraph or that thing for me when i read it i just felt i don't know i understood it from the perspective of this woman was almost barren kind of and she literally went on a three-day fast like she willed this child to be and if you understand, it's like she, all the spiritual, everything she could foster, all the faith, every like this child really happened because she was so intentional about this child. And then she loses that one. And then this one that like just happened because. So it's like that statement, I saw it more as this one, I put so much work into this one. This was supposed to be like my Isaac, my mm. promised child. This, I, I love you, yeah, but that one was the one, like, so much went into that one coming that that one should not have gone like this. And then you, you are here that I did even, like, it just happened, and yet you are the one who is here. I don't know, I just, I just for me, it was kind of like, I didn't really sit at the bus, I just said that a hurtful statement from a woman who really just lost the one child that she really, really wanted to be, or something like that. And because mm-hmm. she, she went to the first, came out and just said, honey, let's go in. Like, like she had charged herself for spiritually and everything. Her faith was there. The man said, you never ask questions. Like every time, then nine months later, the baby comes. Do you know what it means for a woman? Yeah. Like when you know you, especially I'm, I'm sure people have been started on core at the early stages, you know, no kids, blah, blah, blah. And then mm. you just go for that. God see it with me and you now, anyhow. This, this, this. And then you do all that. And then you have this child and then the child goes. And they don't know if people are not even planning for it. fact, people would have rather done without kind of because of the financial situation they were in that's the one that is alive that you see every day and everything and and you're just like ah oh, man the other one oh the other one so that's how i interpreted this scene anyways deep mm, man and when you guys were just talking of seeing her as a person i was reflecting on how you know when she was talking about a part when she's changed languages and how you can see somebody different in every language. And I've noticed that like, if you speak different languages, you have different personalities with each of those languages. And she talked about how in one language, Fante, her mom giggled and laughed like a little girl with her friends. And then in Chui, she was a serious mother. And in English, she shrank down. And Gifty mentioned something. She said she thinks her mom never figured out how to translate who she was to this new language. That really resonated with me. It's just really interesting how, you know, mm. different languages, different personalities, different people, you can translate yourself through different languages the more you understand it. 
was interesting. I totally get that because even my mom, when she speaks like our native language, easy. Should I say ginger or passion behind it? Even she can almost express herself and like express. Or she just <laughs> one or two synonyms and that's it. <laughs> mm. you make her enter like proper like language, native language stuff is like man, it just keeps coming. <laughs> that's so cool. Does this guy watch Aaron and Claire on YouTube? If you watch him, when he's speaking his English, his English is so high and he's like fun and bubbly. Then when he speaks Korean, it goes, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so cool. I just love how it's just so beautiful. Very nice. Ivy. She's baking. Yes, yeah, so only baking. The other day I called her. That's your baking on my head. Uh-uh, he called her separately. No comments. Oh, hey, hey, that was just to say, you know, hello. <laughs> okay, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well done. Continue shooting your shot after. Don't worry, I was not shooting your direction. Just let me. Okay, relate. calm down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just really nice how even when things were going hard for her, she was still struggling to find peace. And, you know, she went to the church and she found peace in the church. And, you know, even though the church, sometimes they were not there for them and, you know, were racist. But the pastor, John, I think he was really there for them for a very long time. I thought that was very cool. Yeah. Okay. That was... Oh, oh, are we still talking about the mom and the daughter, right? So, yeah. It's still the mom. The mom's story is the longest I, I had. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was sad when she died. But she died old. So, I just, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I think it was her time. Yeah, yeah. They never actually mentioned when she died. But she had gone through a lot. She went through a lot. Isn't it interesting how the mental, when you talk about mental illness in like other parts of the world, in Africa or something, they say they usually hear a voice of somebody they know. And then in the, they said in the West, in like America, they will hear usually like hate, what? The hate filled voices filled with violence and intrusion. That was an interesting statement that I saw in the book. Me too. Interesting. Then the Nana, there was a time that Nana, you know, he used to play sports and all. He decided that, oh, I don't want to play this sport anymore. And he told his mom. And his mom just took him in a taxi and went home. That was an interesting... No question, no nothing. She just passed it in and said, okay, thank you. Let's go home. She didn't force him, nothing. What did you say, Samuel? Sorry. Oh, no. She's been... <laughs> I mean, I hate playing the gender card, but I just she's a lady. If if you're telling like a dad something like that, I expect to react from him. Like it's not a surprise if the mom really doesn't react. So many ladies don't even like sport. In fact, they'd rather have their kids not play sport because of long-term physical and mental stuff that is out there right now that happened to athletes. My point if it was a man, a dad, then you're getting your 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 behind back on that field. You can't yeah, you'll probably, say, you'll probably say something like you made a commitment, you have to keep to it. Right, exactly, or something like that. 
Because you just thought, you thought two goals before half time. You know, at that part, I'm like, that's my guy, that's my son. Hey, two goals before half time, which is, you can't just do, you can't perform on such a level and then better check out and tell me, oh, I don't want to. If I beat you, better go and shine and let us see what's up. So I wasn't, no, I wasn't thinking of it on the perspective of you want to go also. This thing. I was thinking of in the perspective of follow through. Mm. Like he started something and suddenly he just wants to stop, you know, halfway in the middle. Do you get like when there are people yeah. counting on him? At least finish that game and then decide to quit after. Okay, that's another one. Sure. Yeah, but I don't know, yeah. I'm, I I feel like she felt guilty to her children. Um, mostly because their father left. Mm. So the funny thing, I actually sympathize. Oh, we're still the mother. Okay, sorry. Because I sympathize with the father the most. Okay, you go into that and tell me why. Well, in a few moments, I just want to ask you guys, what do you think, you know her mom came to the lab for her research, what do, what do you think that meant for Gifty? Because I felt like that meant a whole lot. That was like her like final love. Like, Over approval. Hmm. Oh, do you know, there was something else that I really liked when you told her about that, when she was talking about her story, like talk, when she was talking about the difference between her mom and a typical African mother, that most of them, like most of the immigration children, like their parents are mostly proud of them being doctors and mm. then they have to be doctors and they have to be lawyers or stuff like that. But her mom didn't really care. All she wanted was that her children be happy and not have to work as hard as she had to. That's so nice. That's nice. That's really nice and sweet. Okay, guys. So that's the end of this chapter. Next, we have Gifty and her dad. So we have this tall, fun man who brought joy when he went, who followed his wife to this foreign country. And, you know, and Gifty was mentioning how she saw that America changed him and shrunk him to size from this amazing tall guy. And he mentioned that his long, proud back hunched as he walked. Yeah, I really, I really sympathize with him. And he was accused of stealing there three times in four months. Like, from this tall, proud guy to, I don't know, they made him into something. that had to fit in. Who had to be, like, careful where he went and check. <sighs> I, I really, really sympathize with him. Like, um... Mm having to move like for a lot um for a lot of african guys right family is important heritage is important right mm. having to move to another country like when it wasn't necessarily his decision mm. but because of family right he moved and um he had to conform like moving to somewhere where you're treated as it's a yeah. yeah, like first, if someone steals, the first person they think of is him, and you have to pat him down, and you have to go through mm-hmm. this, go through so many humiliating experiences. He's oh, working yes. hard, right, and um, he's not earning as much as he should, mm. right? and um, he's going through all these experiences, and it's, it's like a mental shock. 
Yeah. Okay, he went through this mental shock period, this um cultural shock period, okay, where he moved from somebody that was just a regular guy that had family that loved him, that they were content in with whatever they had, and mm-hmm. they were something, and he had to come to a place where he had to conform. He mm. had to, you know, shrink himself. Yeah. And but he did it for family, right? The little thing that gave him joy were like going to pick up his son and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But it didn't change the fact that at the end of the day, of, despite all the hard work and all they were doing, right, it still wasn't enough for them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I really sympathized with him. And I understood yeah. him finally getting tired of it and going back. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, uh, I can't, I wasn't angry about that or anything about like that. I just... I just really felt, you know, his children. I don't know. And he kept mentioning, he was like, even if you are his poor in Ghana, that people there are happy, that here, that people are not happy. And it was just like, this is very, I get what you're saying also as a shock. You know, he came from a place where he was a majority, enjoying himself, free, didn't have to check his back. And now he's like a minority and like people are like, Looking at him like he's a bad person, like so shocked, like so shocked. All right. Um. So for me, like when I read his own part, because growing up, everyone who is who was tall at the time, at any stage in my life, and anyway, secondary school, wherever church, neighborhood, they were all like lack of important them. Let's say like gods, like. You, we could insult the short guys, we could insult the very dark guys. Those, those two categories fall under a lot of insults, but not a lot was really said about like the tall guys, they were just like flying on eagles. In fact, they were even more appreciated than a lot. And you know, mm. if you are like picking a, a basketball team now, when we used to play courts or stuff, they are like the first to get picked. Football, even if you don't have a place for them, just put them in the post and say, Use your long hand, see what you can do. Like, they are always relevant, they are always praised and stuff like that it's like like royalty kind of mm. have body on your height like most of the people who see you that were tall and that body by default they're just like oh man it's that guy so even though that guy's a lot more that guy man again mm. right? you know people just and imagine you now being conscious of what you have and like because it's not really something you worked for the height mm-hmm. it's just your genetics and then imagine not being conscious of like the discussions people have behind your back like of this admiration and co- your see your self-esteem will be high so then you're now going to like this civilization where you you are now i don't even know your height is not even the worst thing you can even like mm. your, your gold becomes dust like the your most prized or your most natural whatever is not that thing that you really could do without because you're now you're not only black you're now tall and you're like oh no like this thing that's brought me all this like good feeling this thing that i was so proud of that in fact as you're coming in people are like hey guy chop knock hey my god no this thing that that really made you feel yeah yeah i have it it's now the one thing that imagine costing your blessing kind of like you are Mm -hmm. enjoyed for so long and then when you now look at the reason why, because me told like, man, guy, just go back to Africa beg, and continue your chilling life, but because of family. So you get like he yeah. was family, like a king becoming a servant for family. Like, man, this yeah. guy was 
I was just reading his stuff. I was like, this is a man. And then he did not even, and because, okay, I hear the side story. I have a friend here in my school now. He said the first week he came here, he experienced racism. But in our conversation, what we're going at then was that racism doesn't really affect African kids. People born and bred, or not sometimes who carry the name of Bandau, born and bred Africans, when they live like, say, 20 years in Africa or something, they are mm. never that we can handle without even needing a, a psychiatrist or pastor or anything like if you just go over our shoulder like oh so that's all you can do then what yeah. oh, that's all you can do oh you're eating or you're looking at me like that's all you can do. i beg because like me now growing up omoibo was almost used as an insult sometimes yeah. you know? so like and they always try to pick on something and at the end of the day you just grow this shell like because you either survive or you just become this very low self-esteem fellow that was just sad of town. So like the point mm-hmm. is that when you when we come into this new environment, we can adapt to some things. But the but my point now is back to this story. The level of racism he experienced, unlike the one my friend did of like such racism, this was like you can't be more more loud than just pressing someone against the one strip searching him like that's removing their dignity. Like, like, I can understand maybe you are both on the same aisle and you grab your kids close to you or something. I'll just be like, oh, come on, I used to be, where is ice cream, Jerry? Like, you get Africans, there are certain things we just be like, see, that was your, that was your fair cry. But you now pin me down, you now flip search me, whatever. And you know, it's such, it's such an instance now. They, I'm sure there are probably stories where they could even plant something in your pocket and just like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's not only it was in that situation, the fact that because I was looking at the whole thing that okay, these people are doing this to him. Did other people were there? Is it that this store other people don't used to visit these stores or something? Like they were in a white nobody, neighborhood. Yeah, even the way like, don't you be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, come on, hey, hey, that's unnecessary. Or you know, something like it, see, very there are very few times things happen on African street or in African public spaces that nobody says anything. Even when two drivers, anyhow, you see women selling stuff by the side. You see, you, you know, before even the the fight gets to where to get to, even if it is to conductor, there will be somebody, some of people that will just try like, hey, I see him. Now you hit him. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only this kind of. I'm talking of the whole experience. Mm. You subdued this man. And then he's in a position where nobody was even making an attempt to even say, okay, even if sneeze said for like our officers, take it easy now. It's not, I, I understand it. Like nothing, like he was just like alone. He was, he was subdued. He was in this place. Mm. He having his back. Nothing was happening. And then he was not like, look, could not find job. And the job he could find was a janitor, could not pay. Like you just really, I don't know. I just looked at your thing. And then I was like, and then the one part, there was just one little moment where the coach guy used the N-word or something. Like, I don't know who used it. And then yeah. Nana was at, like, when they were going back for the second half of that game, and then the Nana guy did not stand up. Then he turns back and he looks at his dad, like, for this, should I? Mm. And that thing was just like, like, go. Too much for the guy. And I was like, my God! <laughs> So it was just like, you know, don't worry, go, go for it. And then the guy went and had this very furious second half. And then the man stood up and was like lifting his daughter. I was really celebrating. Even I'm not sure how other people celebrated it, but it was clearly and he was saying, was it MBO, MMO, Momo, mm-hmm. something? And everything was just 
for me, I don't know that man. Like, I, I really just appreciated his own story, Sha. So even yeah. when and things like that, I was just like, man, I know where it's coming from. Just calm down, Sha. But yeah, the whole crazy. Like he wanted to take Nana home, and she was like, "Oh, she regrets not letting him take Nana home, because he and Nana were very attached to each other." Well, you know, I feel that as how it is. I, I don't know. Maybe it's an African thing or everything. Like fathers are usually close to the daughters, and the mothers are somehow just close to sons. Like I don't really know if if it's a gender thing, but they are drawn to each other when they are young. Because the father will be cool with his son, but see that daughter, that's the one that sits on the lap. That's the one that she he can like she can pull his hair, paint on his face, burn his his whatever, maybe his favorite suit, and you'll just be like, oh, he would still not really bitter or something like that's like his baby girl. So I don't know. It's like my dad now. The relationship he had with the girls were uh, uh, clearly different from what he had with us, anyways. But yes. Yeah, so that's deep, man. So, guys, I think we're closing this chapter. Does anybody else have anything to say? We're moving on to Nana. So, now, Gifty and Nana. Uh, for me, I was, I don't know, Nana's story was really sad. And um, I was, at first, I was upset that they prescribed that kind of strong medication for, like, what's knee pain or whatever. Um, because I feel like he didn't need surgery and that's kind of like a drug that's given like to people like after surgery but I did some research and you know some doctors actually prescribe that and it's just really painful because um, one thing she was studying was reward seeking behavior and also like why some people take something and get addicted to it some people take that same thing and not be you know addicted to it and um, this guy was a basketball a soccer star first and then a basketball star he was really close to his dad. So leaving, his dad leaving really broke him. And um, what's one thing I wanted to mention as well? He helped me understand, you know, as I started to see people, drug addicts, not as drug addicts, not as a data point, but as human beings. Um, human beings who have gone through something and, you know, who have a story to tell. Sometimes when they put everything together and then put, you know, there's a one label she used, to, she was like, from a single house, single um, mother household, black immigrants, um, different other labels that you put on it. And you just forget that this person is actually a human being who has a mother, who, you know, who had a career, who had a, like, who had a path that was paved for him before all this was messed up just by an actual doctor prescription. And the funny thing about this prescription is that if, this, if you take it for more than one month, the person gets addicted to it. My surprise was that they kept refilling this. I don't know why there was no, like, were there no warnings? Like, I was very upset that he got to take it for two months. And it really, really hurts me. Um, so I've said my piece. Does anyone have to say more? I know you guys have a lot to say. Her <laughs> relationship with Nana was... Um... I guess it was just the two of them, so they mm. clearly loved each other. Mm-hmm. And um, she talked about how, like, when her mom was like, he was the one I wanted, and she too, she was, not you, and she too, she was like, yeah, I understand, he was the one I wanted, not you. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then she, this was her brother. She was so proud of her brother, Tiget. Mm-hmm. And she was proud of the fact that irrespective of what they were seeing in church, right? They were not a, st- a statistic, right? Tiget. Yeah. Like, and then she had to watch her brother go from this lively, full of life, full of energy kind of person reduced to someone that was either sleepy or sleeping. Do you get? And then everybody was talking about it and everybody was talking like, oh, yes, that's what they do. I heard that they are kind. That's how they are kind. Right. And that was like a really delicate period for her. Because mm. she was, this was like when she was trying to form her own opinion about herself. Yeah. She, was, she was, you know, she was growing up and it was like a period where it was a critical point where she was forming her opinion about how the society saw her and how mm. she wanted to view herself as. And she had to, um, she f- was conflicted a lot. There was a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of anger there, right? Because she, she wasn't so sure how to trust God anymore. She wasn't yeah. so sure how to, like, like, and then there was a the point where she was talking about um, how she was like, God, you have to heal him, like, heal him so these people can see. Mm. And it had become, like, that reached that point in her relationship, right? And mm-hmm. then she, she was trying to understand what was going on with her brother and how she talked about how she kept a diary on it. Mm. But she was so frustrated because sometimes she couldn't understand. And then she was talking about the point where um, she was like, um, let boys just die. And she immediately thought the page because she mm. was so ashamed and like that she because she loved this person so much and she could not believe that she that loved him so much could think this way about him, right? Mm. And I don't know, it was it was a lot for someone to go through at that time. A lot of yeah. people the same thing, trying to reconcile the people that they loved with these people that have become something else mm. of themselves, right? And they can't control and then suddenly she found herself like it defined her the rest of her life, right? Mm-hmm. Because she was so ashamed to tell people that, oh, yes, I'm actually, like, um, I grew up with a single mom and my brother died of this thing. Such a, you know, typical, such a... Typical, cliche story. Yeah, cliche stuff, do you get? And um, she was so ashamed. And then she was so ashamed, like, that she even felt that way about her family. Mm. Get? So it was, like, shame on top of shame. And she just wanted to... And she was so ashamed. She was so afraid that she was going to... Like, if she did anything that she, like, she had the genes to also become an addict, right? So, mm-hmm. everything that could, this thing. And so, she decided to be good because she had seen, you know, what happened to her mom. You get mm-hmm. how? Because, right, after her brother died, right, her mom wasn't the only one that needed to heal from it. She too. But she mm-hmm. didn't have the luxury. Like, she had to. She didn't really have the luxury to heal like her mom. She didn't really have the luxury to fall down and, you know, her grades to and dig it. So, because she had to be a good girl, so her mom didn't have to worry. Mm. And, you know, that point in her life was really sad. And I was so sad about Nana because, you know, when they described me, he was someone that had so much potential, 
life life do you get mm. and a lot of it happened i won't i don't know like a lot of it brought it to that point right because you could tell how much he missed his father how much he was searching for a father and all that and all of it's like everything that was happening didn't help she felt so lost and it's just interesting she went to neuroscience and she's like i'm just going to pick the hardest thing i can do she wasn't even thinking oh i'm going to you know try and do this for other people and help people just like my brother needed help and understand the behavior and stuff in my research makes sense you know, but when we hear her story, they automatically thought that. Well, after a while, she started to feel like she wants her research to have an impact. So it was just a very interesting thing. Um, I felt really sad for them. And then her mom now started taking the, um, you know, the ambient for sleeping pills and, you know, got to the point that she almost killed herself again. The bad job. Girl, poor girl. Yeah, I was just I was thinking about how it's so funny how sometimes the things we try to run away from, try try to escape, we don't see how like if we look in retrospect, we find ourselves in that place. Like she was escaping from the fact that her parents, her dad, um her brother was an addict, her mom was depressed, and mm. she found she suddenly she was in neuroscience and she was studying pleasure the this thing the effect of pleasure this thing behavior yeah reward seeking behavior and you yeah, get and, and if you look at it, yes mm. and it just seemed like it was all about her brother even mm. though that was that was not the original intention unconsciously she was kind yeah. of she was driving her way. yes mm. that's so deep and it just made me just made me think a lot. I know when I had surgery, like I had my teeth out. Um, I took out all my wisdom teeth and they prescribed me opioids. I don't remember which one. Immediately I read on it could be addicted. Do you know I suffered in pain until I was very much in pain? That's when I'll take that thing. And when I was done, I flushed it. I was so scared. So it's just <laughs> I was so so scared. And I, I really was in pain. I suffered through it like a lot. And I was just imagining, like, when they were not talking about it and then his pain, I just kind of reflected into that. And it's just so scary that somebody can take this thing and before you know what's happening, hmm, that's end of life. Or just because you wanted to have surgery or because you just... It's not as if you went seeking the thing. The thing came to you. Ah. It's just really sad. Then, uh, you know, there are some stories where, like, um, yeah, she was talking about how people just think you just avoid it, right? And then we hear stories where people, you know, like um, all these um, human traffickers, right? Mm. They traffic ladies and then they get them addicted to drugs. Mm. And then so they they control them. Yeah. Mm. So you hear those kind of stories, right? And at the end of the day, she's addicted to drugs. Who do you blame? Like, yeah. how do you say she landed herself in that position? Oh. You know, I was almost thinking, was thinking I could just sue this doctor. Like, as I was going through my mind, I'm like, can we sue this doctor? 
like i i started doing research on google i'm like is it right to prescribe like i was doing some research because i was very upset i know this happens a lot a lot of people you know have addicted to this drug just because of you know prescription from doctors so it's just really saddening because it's not against the law for them to prescribe it yeah that's nana guys does anybody want to say anything more about it? The next person we're talking about is Anne. Gifty and Anne, her friend that she almost had a romantic relationship with. We had, I don't even know what's going on there, but I feel like she briefly experienced or went through the lesbian phase and had this um, friend in class who, you know, at first was criticizing her because she was, you know, saying she believed in Jesus, even though she was like had some religious beliefs. And that person kind of like chased after her and befriended her and was searching for something, trying to understand maybe why she believed that or was intrigued by her. And they became really close. But does anybody have anything to say about and her relationship with her? Okay. Next person is Han. Han, her boyfriend. Um a partner, I don't know what they became at the end because they did not say they were married, so I'll just say partner. So, <laughs> Han, Han, I really liked Han from the beginning, and it was just interesting how his ears turned red, like when they were having like um conversation that was outside the lab, and then she saw him like slightly in her element. I feel like I, I felt brief moments of them flirting with each other just lightly, like when she came over. Um, to the party they were holding and he's like oh you never see me outside like this and he cracks some jokes and laughs together and um, when he did the presentation and then she made some jokes I just felt like it was just brief moments of this person cares about me and this person understands my work and you know she always had to like dumb down her work when she's like trying to make a relationship with somebody but then you know there's this person that understands what she's doing and how important all these her dreams and vision is so i really felt that the the relationship was nice i'm glad that they had one do you have anything to say comfort about hand i like hand did you really you know i don't know did you really yeah they felt that there was you know you could tell that they were flirting a bit you know mm-hmm. And um, I was happy for at the end of the day, right? Because she was talking about how he knew everything about her. Mm-hmm. And all. I mean, that part was kind of like the end when they were talking about, you know, her having a, a like, it was like a good ending part, right? So I don't know. They didn't really um, talk, like, go deep into her relationship with her, except that they kind of um, understood each other. Like, they stood each other on the, on an intellectual and um, beyond that level, like level where um, I don't know, sure, they understood, understood each other. I guess that's the point. Yeah, so, I'm, I, I don't know if there's really much to say about her relationship with Han. And he was there without true, like her mom's death and things she was going through. I just like that she had somebody, yeah, that yeah, that was. So that was nice. And there was Raymond, her, her ex-boyfriend. This guy that was into literature and 
But I don't think did he try to understand her. I feel like him reading her journal that time was just uncalled for. Like I was <laughs> not okay with that at all. Trying to understand her through her journal. Why not ask her? Like you reminded me of the time when I know well, Yeah, trying to ask her now. You can't say he tried to ask her. He tried to ask her. Tried they to should keep quiet and hide it. Why should show her the journal and say, oh, what, what does this mean? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Who sent you to Regis? <laughs> Blindly trust her. That's what you're supposed to do. Blindly trust. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You know how you're saying blindly trust her, right? Like, love is blind, can't stop. But we also tell ourselves we should not, like, we should keep our eyes open. So, I don't know if you should say the same. I just guess they will, I don't know. I guess I would say they were not meant for each other. Yeah, but that was an invasion of privacy. I've had someone read my journal before. Maybe that's why I was really, really upset. And, you know, my mom and my sister have read my journal and they reading their. The fact that they read my journal made me not to write for a couple of years. Like, I, I wasn't able to write. Like, I wasn't comfortable. Like, this is an invasion of privacy. Like, I'm not saying it was, it was, he should have read her journal. He definitely should not have read her journal. That was not cool at all. Even if he read the journal, he should have just kept it to himself. And that's pretending it. Like he don't know. You know, pretend like, like you don't know. And why would he now come and just come and do, um, yeah, I have the higher ground. Why did you say this in your journal? Why are you reading the journal? That's the question. <laughs> no. Put something to tease him there. It wasn't even, it was kind of true, but she was still wanted to see him. Maybe you know how you saw yourself. Mother, my own is I saw myself in Raven, so let's calm down. Tell us how are you so yeah, what I was saying was that the Raymond guy had given a lot of himself to the relationship, and all he was asking for was what any sensible guy in the relationship that he wants to really advance would ask for. Like he wants to meet her family, he wants to, you know, get to know mm-hmm. her, but then the the old the shadiness of our answers. If you think at, think of it this way, thinking about the reason behind that, even our uh, shadiness or the lies or whatever, that in itself is already like it's super suspicious. I want to see your mom, I want to see your parents, and you're lying. I've even been scared that uh, I'm even asked like for us to do something really something else. I just want to see your family. Like, why would you be your family? In fact, I'll be thinking you you are, like, from a drug cartel or something. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to be getting around because I'm like, what how to you? see your family? Like, why would you be using it to play hide and seek? And then you say somewhere, you say this one, like, ah. And I'm just picturing because guys have this thing here. We probably don't go deep when we talk amongst ourselves, but it will go to, like, one or two of his, like, confidence. And then you tell them and they'll be like, ah, guy. Oh, for now, so this babe, no one, I'm a uh, fear, oh, fear women, oh boy, better get to the bottom of this else, better one chance or things like that. Like, the point is just if he had been giving things so much thought and all, and he had been pressing it, and she had been, and she's not even like saying next month or something, you all need to be summer or something like next year, so, ah, like what a way to push something off. So, I, would, I don't know, he, I feel he was at his. What do you call the edge? You were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you just saw this journal, ah, come on, it's like you now, you've been praying to God for something, you have the Bible. After a while, you open that Bible. So it's like, 
when the answers are right there in front of me, I'm on Ovex. I mean, I'm not only will I have read it, I'll even scan scan pages and even take some pictures. I do see. Oh my god, that Ramon guy. Anyways, I've been in situations like that. That's why I could really understand his or oh, whatever. So yeah, you've been in, what do you mean you've been in situations like that? Like you've read girls, like you just take your no, girlfriend. Like I've been in in relationships where I felt I'd given a lot, but not a lot was given back, that I needed answers. So if if I had this opportunity, I would, I would, if it's to find answers, I don't know, I would have read it. But because if you've asked, you can't go beyond asking. And then, you know, there, I think that was the period, there was this, either I wrote it or I read it, I don't even know. Like, I, it's, it's this kind of like short poem that the whole point was saying, I don't want to have to be in a position where I have to always understand you like it, how did he put it it's like i don't have to always tolerate your excuses like i don't have to be in a position mm. where it's like, oh, i'm being abused because he's having a bad day oh i understand mm. because somebody's boss shouted at him like i don't want to always have to give you excuses like just answer the questions i don't want to, oh yeah. well, maybe you're not with her family let me just let it go oh, okay she does not want to like mm, just answer big i want to see your family mm. So it's like you give yourself, you give yourself, you give your time, you give effort, resource, you give your mental everything. You are so emotionally yeah. invested. And then you are now having this feeling where you're not sure if this person is emotionally invested or not. Like the last mm. one, I kind of had, she was like this always public person. I had no problem with it, but then, you know, not one did I even feature like status. Not like it meant anything, but it's it's something that was like special in our world, but I was not a part of it. And like she was so proud of everything down to like a cut of a mutual <laughs> friend. So you get it's like she saw a cut of a mutual, not even a friend though, just like a friend's friend. And ah, look at this cut, snap, snap. Hey guys, look at this cut. And I'm like, interesting, interesting. So it is that your mind starts to wander. You're like, man. Mm. And then sometimes you say it, ah, this one, uh, like I'm not even getting a shout out. Wow, this is a relationship, not die. But at the end of the day, it's like, you you just you are you are living in this obese so many gaps so many questions and then more questions because mm-hmm. things will happen and then you're always asking yourself and after a while you don't want to come over that boyfriend or guy that is yeah. always paranoid or always like always probing like, yeah and 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 she'll just be like ah, today again I think calm down guy and you just be like ah, molas last like why do I only like that's why that stuff I read that I, I, mm. I, like, I don't want to always be in the position where I have to excuse everything like I don't want to just even I can excuse some things yes relationship people will bear the burden at different times and will move will grow, blah 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 but the point is I don't want to always have to do this like we can yeah. do one every two months or three months not like every week or something like that so mm. yeah that was just why I really and then when, when the journal told her, when she even said she started writing, before she got to that part, I was like, this guy is so reading this stuff. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, okay, I, I actually kind of thought like... Yeah, it was a breaking point. Yeah. I think the part because where he showed that was challenging, I didn't like that. But like, I feel there's a better way to handle it, but I, I just, I'll just give him that it was at his limit. So it mm, was just like... Was breaking point. Yeah, you just found this really proof really that really she liked it again. Even when she said the summer, and you're like, okay, summer, we're going to Ghana. It was still a lie. You're like, oh. So you just you just want to just let it go. Like, what is happening? Who are your mm. parents? Who are your family? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> My problem is 
I could understand being desperate enough. Like he was just trying to understand her, and she wasn't giving him much. And so yeah, he had to do like he saw the journal, he read it. I know I understand that part. My problem was that the courage with which he came, like I've read your journal. See, you're lying. <laughs> That was my problem, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand me desperate to want yeah. to like understand someone. Like, he, he I'm not I'm sure he wasn't expecting her to be perfect, right? Or maybe he was, but we don't know that, right? But at least let him know that she's a real person. Oh. Like yeah. he was, you could mm. tell he was desperate when she when she said, "My dad is in Ghana." She's like, "I've never been to Ghana." Like, ah, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just I just felt like at the end of the day, right? They just uh, were not meant to be. He didn't even understand her work, which was very important to her. Kind of defined a lot of not a lot of people will understand her work, right? Yes, and, oh, he was but proud of her, it was, like he was doing was something was, very important. Yeah, I'm just saying that they were not yeah. meant to be somehow yeah. for her. You're saying he didn't yeah. understand her work, it wasn't like he wasn't interested because he was very yeah, interested was. in his work. Yeah, he, he was. was like, don't dumb things down, explain it. Right, yeah, but she was the one that was not interested in opening up herself. So the best you can say was not meant to be. Don't try and say it's just his own fuck up or shout that he shall can't come and tell her that I read your journal. I know he's hiding. This is the truth, right here. <laughs> you can't tell me like yeah. I mean, read the journal and just keep it and just plan, you know. Mm-hmm. But even the plan itself, ah. He was tired. He he wanted to end. <laughs> he was tired. Okay, let me ask. Let me let me go extreme small. Um, comfort. Let's say you're in a relationship now, and like you read your your guy's journal, and it's like he has a side babe. Please, how will you plan? Oh in fact, let's. Different even... now. There's, no <laughs> There's no plan for that. One. That's different. Comfort will probably stone me with the job. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, he was just at his limit, anyways, and I felt he was he could not just contain it. Probably if he had if he if he had his decorum or if things were not so extreme, would have had the, a better way to present it and have a conversation. Mm. He was really upset. But just like you like the kid, I'm calling the police. <laughs> 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 Okay, we have Gifty and Catherine, the friend that was always trying to probe and, you know, get to know her and was always checking on her. I felt like she was very thoughtful, maybe because she was also a psychiatrist, but she said something was going on with her. She kept probing. I thought that was really nice of her. I, actually like, I like that she wasn't alone. Mm. Mm. Like that, she was meeting people that 
he was finally learning to tell stuff to. Mm. So sometimes, a lot of times, like keeping secrets like that, keeping secrets about yourself, right, is very heavy. Mm. But sometimes, some things you think, oh my god, if this person knows, if so many, if people know about this, right, they're no longer going to see me differently. But you we fail to realize that it's just it's not it's not like something you did, it's just life happening to you. And mm. life is not just happening to you, it's happening to other people. Yeah. You get and us being able to share with each other, share our experiences, learn from each other, comfort each other, right? Is also a part of life. Is is what yeah. kind of beauty of life. Yeah. Yeah, it's what keeps us sane. Do you get sometimes? Mm. Yeah, so I was really happy that she was opening up, even though I was very suspicious of the psychologist. <laughs> How are you suspicious of her? Because she baked cakes. She baked cakes. Just, no, I like that she baked cake. No, before that, I'm suspicious of all psychologists now. Why? Do you think they're going to use your thing for something else? No. They think too much. <laughs> Every small thing is a big thing. <laughs> okay, so how do you feel about this? Can you dig deep to your childhood? Link it. You think, <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you think that maybe um, it's you good. Not, like you, do you think maybe you not um receiving biscuit as a child could have you know cost this? Do you think do you think that maybe it could have cost it actually if it's some strange situation? <laughs> why do you have to know why it cost it? I mean like I just I don't know I just feel like sometimes live well enough alone. Do you get? I don't know. I that's just me. Sometimes right? making peace no, with all those things. Mental but, health, yeah. yeah, mental health is important, right? I'm just saying that um, some people are just normal human beings trying to. Some people that just they need to be examined, just because they've gone through life. Like I don't know. <laughs> Not everything is a big thing. That's all I'm saying. But for some people, but you just have to keep throwing the question out there because for some people, that's a big thing. You can ask that question, they'll start shedding tears. So you just, <laughs> you know, you just never know who needs to, you know, receive that kind of deep thoughts. Yeah, you yeah. I'm not saying some people don't need to receive it. I'm just saying that I don't trust psychologists. That's what I'm saying. You don't need to convince me to trust psychologists. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not convincing you. Everybody has the right to their opinion. Straight up. But, yeah, I like Catherine, and she, you know, she brought the cake to her. Mom was finally eating and getting out of bed. Catherine was a very good help for a friend today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Catherine was actually something. Then these... We have another one. Okay, we don't need this. Let me not talk about Catherine now. Okay, we have Gifty and her auntie. The auntie she met in Ghana, her summer in Ghana. Oh, I think that that was needed. Hmm. She needed to be apart from her mom because um, her mom was there with her old grief and um, she also needed to take care of her child, but she couldn't do both. Hmm. She actually needed somebody that could um, focus on just her, like on her own healing and her own mental health and take care of her so she really needed to be with family that was not her mom mm-hmm. and it's just interesting like her mom she said her auntie looked like her mom and she's like this is what her mom would have looked like if she was really happy and it was just very interesting 
and then she saw the madman and the mom and the auntie is like this See, is what man I was like oh whatever though I was like why is this man pointing this out to me like just <laughs> she's always getting into deep thoughts <laughs> yeah <laughs> So interesting. I'm glad that she was able to see her dad as well after so many years and um, so many things. And his new family. We didn't talk about the fact that he remarried. Oh, yeah. I beg. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. have we got yeah. into Han? Huh? I said, have we got into Han? We have. Yeah, we have you have something to say about Han? Were you here? He wasn't here. Oh, okay. What do you have to say about that? Okay. No, because I've I've I had this very funny stuff that and and had the crush on or something sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You guys, every time they talked about how he just turned red. Yeah, Yeah, like I was always like, uh, you follow that to church. You don't want to be in church. You're always like, "Uh, how long do you have to be here? Papa, go now. Like he did some funny, funny things, and I was like, ah, now wow, this crush thing. Okay. I'm happy they got to be together. It was just nice. It was funny, Jerry. It was needed for her. And I like how she like she was able to achieve the dream she wanted. Like she had ambitious goals, like she wanted to be like, you know, have her own lab and you know, do all these amazing things, and I'm glad that she got to do it. And yeah, I actually read the acknowledgement yeah. afterwards, which was quite interesting. I didn't read the acknowledgement, so no, I didn't read like, the acknowledgement. Like, yeah, we didn't interview now. The first, the first um, book whoever wrote or something won, won an award, and like, yeah, that's so going. You haven't read it, it's a really good novel. Like, I don't know, it was fun, Sha. But you know oh, the way the book ended? I felt it was open-ended. Like, she was in the car thinking, and boom, the end, bye. Like, what? I was happy it ended that way. I, I didn't, very want, happy. didn't want to go into another story. Yeah. <laughs> it was a calm ending. Yeah, I, I wanted it to like, work out. Um, Definitive ending, like this kind of, and I realized this is this, and I'm telling you, I don't know, I just wanted like, okay, I feel like the only definitive ending is when she dies at the end, like, oh, she's, it tells I'm no, I'm just saying that, like, those kind of endings are the best. This thing, like, the, what do you expect to hear? They lived happily ever after. I've um... The best book endings are the ones that are open-ended. Like, one of the best books I've read, like, all the best books I've read have open-ended endings. Hmm. Have you thought that the reason why you think they are the best is because they are open-ended? <laughs> yes, now, I can imagine oh, what I nice, want now. Nice. <laughs> I can imagine what I want about the story, good or bad, up to me. No, I, okay. I, I understand. I'm just saying that, like, have you thought that maybe the reason why? No, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the actual story. Oh so God. the last category we have is gifty and God, guys. Gifty and God, gifty and her faith, and how she, you know, she had that very strong, pious faith at the beginning, and you know, God will do this for me, and then you all went down, and then started settling back. She started trying to find her way back. Um. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting book, all in all, anyways. 
really good read. Yeah. Papa, do you have anything to say about? Um, gifty and good. I. Ah, wow. I liked how her mom told her that, like when she was when, her, when she told her mom that is it, how is it possible to pray without season? Mm-hmm. Like, trying to pray without season, right? Yeah. And her mom told her that instead of thinking about continuously going on your knees and praying, why don't you think about yeah, living? Yes. That was so deep. Yeah, that that one hits me. Oh, you know, I was like, wait, like we can actually live our lives as prayers. That's good. Mm. And there were times that she was okay. Sorry, continue what you saying. What were you saying? So I'm gonna continue. No, no, yeah. So I was like, because for me, it's actually something I've been working on, like my spiritual life and all this year. And then mm-hmm. um, that prayer. Like because initially I used to think like we always have to when you have free time pray or stuff like that. Then later I was like, okay, you have to pray at least every day, something like just try not mm-hmm. to. But then the problem with the pressure of that is you could have like it's very busy day or things could just happen on a day that you just forget, and then it's like oh, I've broken the chain. I didn't pray yesterday, and then you're just on yourself and and stuff like that. But when that when I read that stuff of like. Practically living your life as a prayer. Like, mm. Clearly praying without season because everything you do is just a prayer one form or the other. I yeah. love that so much, so much. There were times I, I forgot to mention. Like I was short it. I don't know. I forgot. I when... Sorry. Okay. Okay. No, say, say. I just hope you don't say what I want to say. That's what they say. But don't say. <laughs> when there were say, three say. girls in their church that got pregnant. Oh, that's not that to but wow, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then they took them to one of oh, interview, and then they were talking about danger. <laughs> and the final comments when they said, like the final comment was like, when she was talking about um, that sometimes she loves her daughter, but she really wish she didn't get pregnant when she was young. And then they yeah. were thinking that, ah, who wrecked this woman? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, that part was it was kind of funny, right? But yeah. Um, but she was talking about yeah, she was talking about how like they didn't teach much about what like um we were just dealing with the spiritual aspect. Mm. Like they didn't tell them what actually happens, and so she grew up with this very vague very like when she went to school and then they're talking about sex and all that Mm. yeah and everybody was just looking very business like like oh yeah we know all this shit and stuff because she didn't understand what was going on like oh so that's what actually happened right i talked about this last time so yeah how they don't give enough information Mm -hmm. right they just they just tell you like stuff like um abstinence during a sunday school class like don't sleep with someone what does that involve what does that mean (laughs) during i remember a sunday school class i went to intense church and then when we're talking about sex and this thing then we're talking about how um right the reason why we shouldn't sleep around is because um that sex only involves like once sex happens right you're connected to each other 
and so imagine being connected like you guys become one person and so if that person now sleeps with somebody else that person now sleeps with somebody else that person now sleeps with somebody else uh that means that it's like you're automatically mad like it's madness somebody's spirit coming into war that's madness and that's how they i'm scared that's how they explained it to us right and we're like, wow, can you imagine? Do you get uh, <laughs> uh, comfort? That people, choo, choo, choo. I have to really understand that again because <laughs> so it's like not even you. So if you sleep with one person, that person continues the chain, the person just adding nonsense to your life. Is that it? Exactly, yeah, yeah that's the point. Yeah. Yes, the person, uh-huh. with 1, spirits, oh, person, the person is now joining with 1,000 spirits, and Whatever you have so all of you have you get okay. like, yeah, so. It's magic. Yeah. That's how they explained it to us, right? And um, that's true in a spiritual sense, right? But it doesn't yeah. us, like in a physical sense, like making decisions, like understanding what is going on with our bodies. Mm. Mm. That's true. Both should be explained so that she will not even know. Some people don't even know what it is. And somebody can trick them and tell them that that's not what it is. And for it, we are making like, what, what do you do? <laughs> that's what guys feel. You, you know, when they want to, like when they want to trick they say no. They say we are making love. What we are doing is not a sin because we are making love, and God is a God of love. Hmm. Naive that line, that line, not just come out now. <laughs> Where did that line come from? Premeditated. Tell us the truth. <laughs> no, I'm serious. We must actually say that our God is a God loves love, and we're making love. Oh boy! By you teaching your children like both sides, it helps them to be better prepared for the world. I don't believe you trick them. No, to make fully no formed decisions. No stupid idiot. Make them fall in love <laughs> and lose <laughs> themselves. <laughs> so we have to take a hold. Because oh there are a lot of strange people in this world. If you take a hold of your children, they'll be fine. Yeah, and what do you say? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's so true. When we're parents, um, God will help us. Mm-hmm. What was I going to say? Yes. So I sent you guys like clips of, because I got the hard copy of the book, and then it has interviews um with yeah jesse i just thought it'd be interesting to like read some part of the interviews um so i sent the one i have here i have one that says what do you think is the role of fiction in our contemporary busy life when we have so many things political upheaval climate crisis netflix instagram families email competing for our attention so this is what yeah said we are living in a significant historical moment. As I write this, a global pandemic and national uprising for racial justice are occurring simultaneously. That means she just wrote this book last year. I have mm. been on my phone and laptop more, more in the last three months than in the past several years combined. Just flitting from one tab to another as news updates came fast come faster than I can consume them. Through all this, fiction in particular and literature in general has been respite. 
to read a novel, to sit down with it for hours, then days, then weeks, requires close attention, deep attention. It allows you to slow down, to absorb two skills that are fast disappearing in the age of newsfeed. I love art in all its forms. In all its forms. I watch movies and television. I look at photographs and paintings. I listen to music and I sing too. But still, for me, there's nothing like the quiet of a novel. The way once you've let it work on you, everything else falls away and all that is left in the world inside is, your, inside, is the world inside your head. A gift from the writer's mind to yours. I know nothing else that sustains that kind of careful attention and it's my deepest pleasure. These days, it's a balm. And I could just resonate with that part of the interview because that's kind of how I feel when I'm reading oh, novels. I, 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 I need escape. the video. Eh? I need the video. Is there a tape? Is it on YouTube? No, it's just a part of the book. Like, oh, I, 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 could, I could send that, like, I think. But it's just, it's just a part of the, the book that I got the hard copy and I was able to see. So it's just really cool. So I sent you something. Comfort, you can read yours. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Not the questions, right? You can read the question. How we know what the answer is? Talking about. Oh, like, okay, no. Do you mean the... There was a series of questions you sent me, one to ten, not that one. No, no, not that one, no. Okay. Um, there's a dark, naughty, heartbreakingly beautiful relationship between Gifty and that's her mother. Question. Okay, that's the question. Okay. Yes. Between Gifty and her mother at the center of Transcendent Kingdom. How much were you thinking about motherhood when writing this book? And she replied, Certainly, motherhood was on my mind while writing this novel. I was interested in focusing on those moments in life when the roles switch and the child who was once taken care of finds herself in the position of needing to care for the mother. Gifty's mother is suffering from depression and Gifty has to learn what her mother needs. Uh, what her mother's needs are and how she might best support her all while trying to manage her career. While doing this, she's reflecting on her own childhood, the care she received from a mother who was overextended, living paycheck to paycheck, while raising two children in a foreign country. This cycle of care, wherein we bring all of her, our childhood histories with our parents, all of our trauma and joys, our resentment and love into our adult relationships is complex, but it's something that many people find themselves grappling with as their parents age and or fall ill. Motherhood, or more specifically, mothering, gains new meaning as adults. That's the end of the Yeah, question. that's deep. But the next one I sent you that continues the last line. Children find themselves in a role similar to the ones their mothers had. That's what the last line is. That's missing. Okay. Samuel, I sent you something as well. Yep. Just saw it. Just saw it. The scientific uh, approach, yeah. Yeah. Um, the scientific approach to understanding consciousness plays a big role in transcendent kingdom 
But no matter how sophisticated our understanding of neuroscience becomes, it still seems that there is a domain of human interiority, call it the soul, that will forever remain mysterious. Do you think that this is a purview of the novel? The reply, absolutely. I think this is one of the most beautiful things about fiction and poetry, that they are explorations of all, skipping to the second one, of all that can't be said. I love researching articles and listening to so many scientists say that what they are doing is asking questions in an attempt to get closer to understanding something. I think literature does a similar thing. It seeks to get near that which is ineffable. It interrogates and probes. Even after so many years of being a reader, there is nothing I love more than the feeling of awe I get after I finish a great book. A wow. book has brought me even closer to something that I can't really articulate, but I can solely, or that I solely need. It is edifying to read a book like that. Wow. She has a way with words. She's articulate. Yeah. You see now, that's good. That she, yeah, she has a way with words. She's perfectly described what I would, you know, say, what I would wish to say sometimes. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I have this last one here that says, this is not everything, but this is just parts. Um, what did you hope to convey about what it is to be an immigrant of color in the United States? How does the experience of the family in the novel compare to your family? She says, I want to be specific here and say that the experience of black immigrants in this country, while similar to that of other immigrants of color, is very different in a particular way which is that Black immigrants endure anti-Black racism, which in America is rooted in 400 years of violent history. This is a shock for many Black immigrants who come from countries where they are the majority race and have never encountered racism of any kind, let alone systemic racism. If you've never had to think about race before, how do you console your child who comes home from school crying because they've been called a racial slur. I grew up with what I call the Black immigrant brand of respectability politics. The idea that our difference as immigrants, as well as our goodness, our kindness and intelligence, etc., would protect us. This mentality is false, dangerous and immoral. It hinders us from doing the necessary work to address racism and attain Black liberation. Like Gifty, I grew up as one of the few Black people in a predominantly white area. And the isolation and loneliness of that, the lack of education around the history of this country, was a kind of violence, one that takes continual work to correct. With the novel, I hope to illuminate the experience of juggling race and ethnicity in a country that often rejects both of these things if they don't conform to whiteness. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Jesse is just amazing. Like, this book was, it met my expectations. It exceeded my expectations, I'll say that. I, I loved it. It was a good, it was a very good read.
There are not many times Buffett has no, no words to say, so it's so strange. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? Uh, <laughs> you always have more ones than human, yeah. Uh, no, 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 I know, she I know. Well. When she speaks well, she puts her words, like even today she corrected what she sends me, her text, just to make sure her words are full and out there. Uh, uh, wow, the baby, I sent you a private <laughs> message. <laughs> I didn't say what you said. <laughs> oh, she said, you just sent the message to me. Oh, I, I get it. No, 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 she's really particular about the words she said for a long time. She, she speaks well, so I don't know. Let's not talk too much about Thank you all guys for coming. This was amazing. Um, I really hope you guys have an amazing day. Um, comforts, why don't you pray, pray for us? Um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this month. We thank you for all our lives. We thank you for each and every one of us. We thank you for this book. We thank you, Lord, for everything that every word that we read and every um, perspective that was changed due to this book we thank you lord for the next month and lord we ask that your grace so lord that is sufficient for us show us the lord in jesus name in this month in jesus name lord, the lord that you give us grace for this new month we, you give us grace for this new week and you give us grace that we need the lord to do the things we need to do in jesus name amen Feel free to send us DMs and comments about the books that you would like us to read and how you feel about the episode. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Check out our Instagram for book recommendations and for more information at Cuts, C-A-U-G-H-T underscore red-handed, R-E-A-D-H-A-N-D-E-D. So at Cuts underscore red-handed. 